Welcome to Dext Academy. Hello, I'm Eric Tung, and this is the Dext Academy podcast, bringing accountants and bookkeepers the information they need to take their firms to the Dext level, which to us means becoming a more productive, profitable, and powerful firm that is able to meet the full needs of its clients. I joined Dext from Scotiabank, where I drove the bank's digital transformation efforts, along with overseeing strategic initiatives for the bank's retail and small business clients. I've also spent time at McKinsey & Company, a management consulting or advisory firm, and at eBay, where I helped thousands of Canadian small businesses get online. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Holton. Mark has more than 35 years of experience as an FCPA accountant and tax agent in practice. Mark is a director of Smith, Inc., Mark has also developed specialized skills in corporate presentations and training with extensive experience in both private and public sector industries in Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom, and North America. Welcome to the Dex Academy podcast, Mark. Thank you very much, Eric. It's a pleasure being here. Great. Why don't we just start off? Can you tell us a bit more about your background and how you got into the accounting industry? Oh, that's a great question, Eric. Um, around 40 years ago now, which seems an awful long while, I, um, I went through uh, the schooling process. I went through the tertiary education process and thought, I quite like the commercial area of things and I think I might be an accountant. So I went through that particular process and for many years I was working traditionally in the accounting industry, focusing he- very heavily on compliance. But around 25 years ago, I was thinking, uh, there's got to be more to it than just doing compliance work or audit and assurance work day in, day out. And I was actually invited to a seminar in Sydney, Australia, and I saw a piece of software at that point in time. And the gentleman who invited me said, come and have a look at this. It'll change the way you do business forever. And I turned up at this particular seminar, saw what it was about and thought, quite simply, I can do this. I can get my clients engaged in doing this. And the way the seminar, Eric, was presented to me was, how would you like to see the financial impact of key business decisions before you make it? And from that time onwards, I set out on a mission to be able to put more business advisory, more diversified services into my accounting firm. And believe me, it has been a journey. My accounting firm still does compliance, still does tax work, Uh, still does financial statements. That's our core business. But what we've been focusing on on over the last 25-odd years is how do I add more value to my clients? How do I do what I'm currently doing plus? How do I make my clients' businesses worth more? And how can I improve their businesses for something as simple as profitability, cash flow, and financial return as we move forward in a partnership arrangement to create better, more successful businesses. And once that's all done, yes, we'll still do all their compliance and tax work again. So I pretty well changed my practice, Eric, around 25 years ago and decided to go on a slightly different journey. Uh, Throughout that journey, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've had a lot of wonderful engagements with clients. I've had some that didn't go well, but I think that's just human nature. And over the last probably 15 years, I've been working with accounting firms around Australia, New Zealand, US, UK, Canada, and Singapore too, by the way, uh, on how to implement more business advisory services into their firms. And by that, I mean something really simple. It's how do I get the systems, the processes, and the people resources up front correct? 
And then how do I look at smart, sophisticated software to help me work along that journey? So it's been an interesting pathway for me. As you mentioned, I'm a fellow of CPA Australia and have been for a number of years. Uh, have been in the accounting game and the tax game for probably far too long, Eric, to be honest. But um, really enjoying what I'm currently doing, and that's working with accounting firms and around the world, actually. I've got firms in London, in Canada, in the US, Australia and New Zealand to help them get organised and deliver more value to their clients and also have a little bit more fun through that process. That's perfect, Mark. It sounds like you started in advisory or business advisory, as you said, before it really became a catchphrase in the industry. <laughs> it's, it's funny, Eric. Um, when I started, the only two pieces of software that I saw was the actual one that I mentioned earlier that I went to a seminar and saw. And prior to that, I used Excel and there wasn't too many other choices. Um, I envy the industry now because there's so many wonderful cloud-based solutions available to help you deliver advisory services on an ongoing basis. The industry tells me that we'd all do a lot of advisory work, but it's very much piecemeal orientated. It's one-off orientated. What I do is I work with firms about developing what I call an annuity system of advisory, where what we do today with one client can be replicated tomorrow with another. And again, 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 which all comes back to getting the right systems, processes and people place and then moving forward in a very controlled yet dynamic manner. I love it. And tell me, what sparked your interest into getting into business advisory? What was it that made you (laughs) realize that this was kind of more fun uh, and where you wanted to take your accounting practice? Oh, Eric, you hit the nail on the head there with the question. It's more fun. I was going nuts doing compliance. I really was. It was annoying me how clients that we did a great job for, at least we thought we did, would still complain or moan to us about our fees. So they really didn't see value in what we were doing, yet they had to come to us because they couldn't do it themselves. So I decided to go down the pathway largely out of frustration. And I honestly believe had I not gone to that seminar 25-odd years ago, I probably wouldn't be in the accounting game now. I'd be off doing something totally different. I always believed, you know, I could put the infrastructure in place in my firm to allow other people to do the majority of the compliance-associated activities. But when it comes to advisory, I had to get involved up front. And whilst that worked in the early days, I then had to build the same structured model in the advisory side of my business that we spent so much time developing, enhancing and implementing when it come to the compliance side of the business. But I seriously, I got involved because I just want to have a bit more fun. I, I figured as an accountant, I didn't get involved in this industry just to do tax work and compliance work. I got involved to help my clients, to analyse their performance, to work with them, develop them, structure them, and, and out of that develop better, more successful businesses for them and also ultimately for us. I love it. I mean, one of the things I think we've all seen over the past 15 months is that accounting and accounting professionals have really become um, that important business counselor and advisor to their small business clients. And, you know, a lot of small business owners are turning to their accounting professionals for this quality advice. So, um, you know, I feel like you definitely were ahead of the trend in that sense. And the need for us to provide really great and sound advice is all the more pertinent today than it ever has been. 
Yeah, Eric, I really do believe that. Um, every survey that I've studied over the years that talk about the most trusted advisor to small business owners, the accountant comes up at least 80% plus. We are their most trusted advisor. They generally will turn to us first when they have a problem. The real issue is how well are we servicing that particular part of their business and what services can we offer to be able to do it better, smarter, more efficiently, more profitable in our business. I think that's the model we've got to look towards, not just offering these services, because the industry already does. And I think the industry did a lot more of this during COVID. I certainly know that's the case here in Australia. But, you know, we were sort of forced or pushed a little bit into doing more one-off type advisory services like budgets, cash flow projections and the like. But not too many of those have then been turned into annuity models where we meet with a client quarterly and we focus on how well they've done to that budget, which I call an action plan for success, by the way, not a budget and cash. And then what we need to do in the future to be able to improve our performance. I'm a strong believer uh, accounting clients need accountability. They need someone to keep on top and manage and help them and develop them and nurture them. And I see that as probably the most critical part of advisory. And, and obviously making the model efficient for you with smart software systems and processes, not only to help the advisory model, but also the compliance model. I mean, the more time you can save in the compliance system, the more available time and capacity to be doing more diversified activity. I love it. And tell me a bit more from your vantage point, how has the industry evolved over the past 35 years? Oh, it looks slowly, certainly. Um, I think I've seen more interest, Eric, to be honest, in the last 12 months in business advisory with the accounting industry than ever before. It was always attractive before, don't get me wrong, but there seems to be more firms wanting to talk about it, ask about it and start the journey along the pathway. My message to them is let's get our structure right. Let's get our infrastructure right as well. Let's get our engagement model right. And then let's go to market gently and introduce our delivery models to market. I think at times we tend to go straight for the delivery model. I can do X, Y, Z, and the client doesn't really understand how it benefits them. So unless you can get them to sign a proposal, it's very little point worrying about how you're going to deliver something. So we've got to get our, our structure right, our infrastructure. And by structure, uh, I'm a massive believer that the accounting industry is the trusted advisor. So let's build a trusted advisor model that works. Uh, let's get the model right so the right people do the right task at the right pay rate. Uh, I'm seeing, Eric, a lot of accounting firms where too many senior people do too much of the work. And whilst they'll measure that success factor on revenue, they should be looking at the profitability on the model because sometimes profitability is just not there. We've got to start to get the right people in the firm doing the right task. And by that, I mean we've got to start to build a scalable model. But overwhelmingly, there's a lot of interest there. But the single biggest issue I still see after 25-odd years is capacity. We're a very busy industry. We're time poor, but we have to work on structure and infrastructure, as in who's going to do what, when, and how. What services are we going to offer? How will we communicate them? How will we price them? How will we package them? It's pretty important to know what you're offering before you go to market. And then if a client says, that sounds great, how much does it cost? And we haven't got an answer. You've then got to think, why am I going to market when I'm not prepared? But certainly a lot of interest, 
But the key thing we've got to do is overcome the time issue and the capacity issue by getting the right structure in place day one. I love that. Tell me a bit more about your enabler system. It sounds like this is a system that you've developed to really help tackle some of these capacity issues and other structural problems to enable firms to scale. Yeah, um, that actually, Eric, it's an interesting story, quite a funny story, actually. This whole system came about after my business partner and I did an event in Auckland, New Zealand, and we were heading back across the Tasman. And he said to me, why do you think so many firms struggle doing advisory? And I said, well, the first thing they don't do is they don't get their firm ready. And the second thing they don't do is they don't unlock the client's needs. They don't find out exactly where the client wants and what their issues are. And the overused yet appropriate cliche of what keeps them awake at night. And the third thing they don't do is they don't create a, a gap, a disturbance factor. In other words, if the client wants X and they've only got Y, what's the gap and how do we get them there? What we tend to do in the accounting game is we go straight to analysing data and here it is to the client. We then don't, after we've analysed the data, help the client implement the changes we suggest and then service their additional needs. So through that explanation, Eric, I've covered six of the seven enabler steps. So the enabler seven-step to success process is a step-by-step process that I work with with firms so they can get the activity that we need and the success that we are, we deserve out of advisory. But the most important one out of it is step one. If we don't prepare the firm to succeed in the first place, gee, it's difficult to do the rest of the steps. But once we do that, we then have to unlock the client's need and then show the client where the gap is in their business and create a slight distance, then help them fill that gap, which is step four, which is analysing their performance. And then don't leave them alone. Then start to support them with monthly board of advice meetings and support mechanisms to help them do what they need to do. Because the reality is if they knew how to do half this uh, process, they would have done it before they come into your office. You know, I can long remember, Eric, early in my time, I sat a client down and said, you need to get your receivables down. And I showed them through a piece of software I used that if they could get their receivables down by one day, they would have $12,000 more in cash. And I said to the client, what do you think? And they said, that's fantastic. How do I do it? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, if I knew how to collect the debt properly, don't you think I would have done it before I come in here? And that was what I call a BFO, a blinding flash of the obvious. It was also a nice little kick in my ego because I'm sitting there thinking my role is only just to tell them what to do and let them go do it. It doesn't work that way. If we just keep telling them and not supporting them, they will go away and they will be what I call an FTI, which is a failure to implement. And once that happens, they don't want to come back and meet with you again. So then you'll get a whole host of excuses why they can't. We've got to start to build a, a, a more dynamic model around the client of support and accountability. So that seven-step enabler process is basically how to go from start to the point where you're doing much, much more in advisory. And if you've already got step one done, then we'll move to step two. So steps one to four, which is unlock your, sorry, uh, get your firm ready, unlock the needs, create a disturbance and analyse are the four critical points in order. Five, six and seven are after sales processes. That is help them do it, service their additional needs and then start to show the client the financial impact of key decisions before they happen, not afterwards or because strategically that is much, much smarter. 
I love it. And as you think about step one, preparing the firm to succeed, what are some of the key things um, to create that right foundation? Uh, great question, Eric. Let's get the number one thing out of the way. Starts with T, ends in I'm time. <laughs> All I hear is, oh, geez, I'm busy. I don't have the time to do this. Uh, or another classic one is, um, we're not quite ready at the moment. We'll look at it again in three months. You know what happens then? They don't. Mm-hmm. You've got to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, um, let's just start. And starting doesn't mean going out to clients. Starting means getting a business advisory implementation plan in place. So that's what I do with accounting firms, Eric. I build that model. I build that plan. We create realistic actions, timelines, who's going to do it. And once we've done it, we celebrate success. But in time, number one factor. Number two is a proven system to be able to deliver advisory. That's what I provide to accounting firms, and that's that system that I developed and I used in my firm over 25 years. We also have to get over the issue of finding the right client and then building the confidence in the people to be able to go out and have these con- these quality conversations, clients. But we also need to move away from something that I think is one of the biggest issues, and that's the comfort zone. Compliance is comfortable. It's profitable. It works. We're doing it forever. So the argument is why change your model? And I'm not saying change your model as far as not doing compliance activity. I'm saying let's just enhance it. Let's take the 20% of great clients that you've got and add more value, do more, help them run better businesses. And from that, not only will they appreciate it, but they'll tell their friends, family and other quality clients about what we do. And I think that's really important. The most important step with step one, Eric, is get a plan in place, a realistic, achievable plan that you can hold yourself accountable to and people like me can help you stay on that pathway and rigorously stick to it and not make excuses as to why we can't do it. And so what advice would you have for a firm that knows they need to move into advisory? You know, how do they actually get started on building this realistic, achievable plan? The first, that's a good question, Eric, and I often get that from accounting firms. The first thing is you need a plan. You need a business advisory implementation plan. That's, that's unchallenged. You know, if we just go off in a more laissez-faire manner, yes, you will do advisory. Incredibly difficult to sustain it with the same client. So a lot of firms that just go in there and, you know, put a, a nice dashboard in front of the client, for example. And let's be honest, there's some wonderful software out there at the moment to do, you know, dashboards and financial analysis and this sort of stuff, much, much better than what I had in my day. You know, eventually... Putting something new in front of the client is always going to be great because it's different. But how different can it be in the future? If you're then going to meet with a client quarterly, how can you keep showing them the same old, same old and expect them to do differently? It's got to be engaging. We've got to take them on a journey. You know, I think a good advisory accountant is a storyteller. You have to want to tell a story and you have to do it in a way where you start with once upon a time and you tend to finish a little bit with happily ever after. But it's what happens in the middle that's the critical thing. You know, we've got to get through this process of engagement with clients, talking to them, finding out what their needs are, and then delivering specific customised services to meet those needs. You know, the beauty of software in the marketplace is a lot of them will do needs assessments. They will do financial analysis. They will do a whole host of stuff, budgets, cash flows, succession planning, retirement planning, you know, estate planning and everything that's out there. 
The real question is how do you persuade a client that this is a value and that they should pay you to help you do it? And that's what comes back to working out in a very early sense, Eric, what you're going to offer, how you're going to offer it, how you will engage a client, how you will price it, and then go to market by choosing the right clients. So I think in that first step, there's about seven odd things to get organised, but the most important thing is develop that plan. Put the resources aside, find someone to assist you. You know, I'm working with firms in Canada at the moment where I'm doing it digitally. You know, we're developing their business advisory implementation plan digitally. It can be done. Preference-wise, I'd prefer to do it face-to-face. That's a little bit tough at the moment with the restrictions worldwide, but it can be done. Get the plan right and then progressively achieve things. Kick off little goals. Don't try to do it overnight. It's not like turning on a light switch. It's got to be done properly. I love it. And what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as you've tried to implement this in your firm or with other firms? What are some of your kind of key takeaways in terms of what people should expect as they go down this journey? Great, great question. Never assume a staff member knows what you know. Uh, Never assume that doing one day of training on how to use a piece of software will turn you into an advisory accountant. It doesn't work. Remember, with advisory, unlike compliance, it's not one model fits all. Working with a builder compared to someone that owns a restaurant, compared to a jeweler, compared to a golf professional, done a lot of work with the golf industry, is very, very different, Eric. Advisory is no one-stock model. You can systemise it, you can process drive it only to a certain point. I can remember in the early days, um, I had three clients in the same industry. They were actually pharmacies. And you'd think you could get a fair bit of benchmarking and parity around their performance, but they're all different. I mean, one guy wanted to know specifically how his business compared to the other uh, pharmacies out there. He wanted to do some benchmarking. Another fellow who was just about near retirement wanted to make sure that his estate plan uh, was in place for succession. So he needed an estate plan, a succession plan. And the third fellow needed a budget that he could hold himself accountable to because he spent too much. So it's not like doing uh, three pharmacies financial accounts and taxation returns that really don't differ that much apart from numbers and a few little things. Advisory is very different because every client's uh, wishes, demands, needs are different. So we need to be flexible enough to be able to run with the model that gives us some structure, but is also flexible enough to move with what the client requires. Because ultimately, once you find out what the client does need through your needs analysis process, which is something we do, very structured, using software to help there, of course, then at the end of the day, you'll have a better understanding of what they want and you can then position yourself and your services accordingly. That's great. And it sounds like technology does underpin a lot of the processes uh, to give you that time back as well as the insights to be able to power um, this advisory business. Can you tell us more about what types of software you use um, and what advice you would have uh, for different firms as they look into making this transition? Again, a great question, Eric. Often when I go into an accounting firm, the intent is to go in there and do advisory work. 
The reality is I spend a bit of time working with them on their practice management. So we look at their practice management solutions, software, and we also look at how they themselves and their clients are controlling what I think is the critical component, and that is the electronic capture of accounts payable and bills. I think that is an advisory service. And to be able to talk to clients about do you take a photo of your receipts, uh, do you upload them onto a portal, does it integrate into uh, common accounting systems, and is that more efficient for you, and could we put a system in place where you'll never lose a tax deduction again, not on the basis of not having a receipt, and in Australia you'll never miss out on a GST credit again because you'll capture that. You know, the, the old days of working with paper-based receipts are old. You know, I've been using Dext now for the past seven years in my business. I think the whole concept of, of digital upload of receipts is just 101 we need to do. If I was in a firm now working with clients, I'd be talking to them about that up front and I'd be positioning it as an advisory service for them, even though ultimately... It's allowing me as the accountant to get the job done much quicker, much more efficiently. And by getting it done much quicker, much more efficiently, we then start to create capacity to be able to go out there and do some more advisory work. Um, Eric, when it comes to advisory, I think the one thing that's often missed that firms need to get their head around is a CRM, you know, a customer relationship management solution. Uh, whether they're using their practice management tool to do that, uh, whether they're using Excel or access or any other type of uh, tool to do that. I think we need to invest in a CRM system and ultimately a good cloud-based one that integrates with our practice management solution that makes sure that when we offer services in advisory, nothing slips through the cracks. We don't make promises and forget to deliver them because we don't write them down. The CRM controls the total infrastructure of what you're doing in advisory. I also think upfront we need a simple advisory solution to be able to engage the client as well as make stuff simple and easy from a communicative point of view to the client. Um, I use a piece of software that's called named Cashflow Story. Okay, Cashflow Story, I think, is the simplest, easiest way to work out where the client's strengths and weaknesses are and ultimately then communicate that visually to them. When it comes to other great bits of software in the marketplace that does benchmarking, budgeting, cash flows, uh, and those sort of stuff, I will always be looking at those, but I'll be bringing them online when there's a client need to do so. I'd be looking to put my infrastructure in place with a good CRM, a good engagement tool, and probably another tool that I use, which is to find out what's important to the client. I call it a witty W-I-T-Y, what's important to you, to be able to help me unlock the client's needs and then simply deliver them using cash flow story as well as the 25 years experience I've had in the game. So I wouldn't be going out there investing huge amount of dollars. I'd be looking strategically and part of my business advisory implementation plan is to work out what software we need at what point in time based on what services we're going to deliver to what type of client. Again, processes are critical. But getting the client in a position where they help you work with the compliance model, okay, I think is absolute 101 advisory.
Perfect. And tell me a little bit about um, what advice you would have for our U.S.-based accounting uh, and bookkeeping firms where there's less of a compliance requirement to actually collect those source documents and receipts. What's your argument um, or encouragement for those firms to actually go down this journey? Well, look, I think the collection of source documents digitally does two things. One, it makes the client more efficient, you more efficient, and it it helps solve the forever-ending problem of I don't have time. I don't have capacity. You know, doing the compliance work quicker has to create capacity. If not, we've got to change the model around. My advice to US accounting firms is when I started this, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I had no training. I had no systems. I had no processes. But by golly, I was enthusiastic. The first client I chose was a builder. I don't know why I chose a builder, maybe because I'm an idiot, but I chose this particular client because he started to talk to me about drivers, gross profit, net profit, starting to talk to me about his inventory purchases. So I figured he was interested. And I did a bit of a consultation with him where I did too much too quick. I showed him far too much in such a short period of time, but he loved it. He said to me, Eric, he said, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen from an accountant. And I thought, you're kidding. I didn't even know what I was doing. But out of that, I figured if I can impress someone with no knowledge, how better could I go if I actually learnt more and start to put infrastructure in place and systems and processes? So, you know, my advice to accountants out there is get out there and try, have a go, start, get a plan in place, start to offer the services that you know deep down clients really want from us, not just the ones that they need. Start to engage clients, develop them, talk to them, and deliver services that helps them create better businesses. It's a double-edged effect of creating better businesses for them, more lucrative advisory services for us, quality client referrals coming out of it. Uh, I can't see the lose here, Eric. I think it's a win-win. I love it. And, And the other thing I'd say, Eric, is that if you don't get out there and start considering this, one of your competitors will. And I've seen many, many firms in Australia lose good quality clients to other competitive accounting firms because those firms do more than just their tax work, financial statements and clients activity. And how do you encourage those who are reluctant to make the change to get out there and go do it, as you said? Um, Okay. Well, it all comes back to desire. You've got to want to. You know, it's not something you're going to be forced to do because if you're being forced to do it, we never do it well. Okay. What I'd start to do quite simply is, is I would look at developing a plan. I mentioned that through the podcast. I would start to get my plan in order. I would look at my existing resources, as in systems, processes, and people. And if I'm running short on any of those, I'd put a structured process in place to address that number one. You know, it's not difficult to get the systems and processes. I can provide those to you. What, what the challenge is, is getting the people, getting the resources, human factor resources, to be able to help you do this at the right level, at the right pay rate, and so that you can create a scalable model for success. Getting the right software is not difficult. If you've got a credit card, it's pretty simple. Okay? Training and utilisation of that software is is absolutely more important. And the one other thing I'd say, Eric, is a lot of firms I talk to invest significant dollars in training and development when it comes to technical skills so that we are the best at what we do, best of breed when it comes to tax and financial statement presentation and audit and assurance, compliance, call it what you will. We don't tend to do 
too much or invest too much into soft skills. In other words, customer service, dealing with difficult customers, asking the right question, communication with clients, and things like so. And we also don't tend to invest too much training dollar into how do I deal with different industries when it comes to advisory? What's the the certain nuances of a builder as distinct from a restaurateur, as distinct from a golf professional, which I'll say again, as distinct from a rural client, a farmer? Okay, we've got to start to look at training and development, looking at models, looking at scenarios, training with case studies, You know, you can never, ever stop learning in the advisory space. I've done it for 25 years and I still learn something every day, okay? It's not tax. It's not technical. The whole point about advisory is client engagement and the personal factor that comes with that. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think ultimately, you know, advisory is all about the connection you build with your clients. um, And so much of that credibility comes from the soft skills, as you alluded to. Totally. Any last kind of words of advice or um, parting thoughts before we wrap up? Um, Nothing more, Eric, than I'd love to see a great number of US accountants start to move down this space uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I think one, the client really does value it and really does need it. And, And number two, as Eric mentioned earlier, it's a lot more fun. I've always believed, Eric, I can get someone to do the compliance work for me. You know, whether I, I do it onshore, offshore, whatever the case may be, or bring in some young graduates or whatever the case may be and train them well. But when it comes to advisory, you know, I went down this pathway because I wanted to do this with clients. I desperately wanted to do it. Didn't know how to, but over the years I've sort of worked out how to. And I put systems and processes into my firm to allow my staff to be able to do the majority of this while I sit on top of the tree as the partner whose responsibility it is to nurture clients and also develop new opportunities in the not sit there and be on the tools that much. So we've got to get that infrastructure right. But I just encourage everyone to get out there and have a go. You know, what it did for me was it, it built and developed my practice. My revenue numbers went up significantly and I had an awful lot more fun than what I was before I started. So I'll I'll probably leave it at that, Eric, and say, you never know if you're good at it unless you try. So why don't we just get out there and have a go? Perfect. And Mark, how can our listeners connect with you or where can they learn more about your firm's services? Yeah, great question, Eric. Um, The the best way to get me is um, through my my business. The website is www.smithinc. It's S-M-I-T-H-I-N-K. Dot com. And also, if you've got any questions at all, guys, or want to have a chat to me, more than happy to do so. Times Time zones are a challenge, but we can sort that out. And my email address is mark, M-A-R-K dot Holton, H-O-L-T-O-N, at smithinc.com. Love to have a chat to anyone, Eric. Lockdown here in COVID, mate, so anything I can do to have a chat's a good thing. Super. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. I think your advice and your experience is invaluable. Um, And I love the fact that moving down that path to advisory really enabled you to have more fun, uh, which I think we all need more and more these days. Absolutely, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you to yourself and Dext for the opportunity of having a chat this morning. 
of course. Thanks for joining us for Dext Academy. For all things Dext, be sure to visit us at dext.com and register for our next Academy session featuring Ron Baker. This has been a production of the Accounting Podcast Network.